Hello, Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasion to limit of. Hello, dear. Now, why is it? I was making eye contact with you and I said my name. And then when you did your half of the intro, you closed your eyes like Catherine O'Hara doing a bit. <laughs> I don't know. You, you were just like, I can't. Sometimes, right sometimes it's just too much. Me? I mean, all of it. Maybe you're not enough. Everything. Arms crossed. I narrated that because people at home can't see what I did. <laughs> no, I'm just right. If you oh. if you need, if, if I'm too much, go find less. Is what they but say on the internet. But you said I'm too much. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> okay. Mm. I said it's all too much. Okay, that's, that's fair. different. So uh, this was my idea for an episode. It sure was. This week. I'm very Thank excited. Travis for Travis. Indeed. What up, Trav Nation? <laughs> and I'm very excited to... I don't really know that joke, but I appreciate it. It's not a joke, man. I'm an influencer, <laughs> and that's what I call my following, Trav Nation. I thought they were pickles. That No, sorry. That's on Twitch. Oh, okay. Pickles are a subset of Trav Nation. I see. Right? Okay. Okay. Yeah, they're maybe the inner circle of Trav Nation? Are they the Trav stands? Mm. I don't know if I want to call them that. I don't know if they'd be offended by that or honored. Twitch.tv slash the Travis McRoy. And <laughs> be chill pickles. Be chill pickles. And I, uh, the thought occurred to me because we've done a bunch, some of my favorite episodes that we've done have been uh, like the history of accessories, right? Like oh, we've yeah. We've done watches and handkerchiefs and stuff like that. You loved shoes. That was a good one. I love one shoes. Too. I love shoes. And then I thought, oh my God, shoes. A weird crossover accessory between mm-hmm. like functional item and accessory is a sword. Mm-hmm. And so like I went to Alex and I was like, let's do swords as accessories. And she said, great idea. And then I walked away and did no follow up. <laughs> and Sounds I was, about right. And I was like, I hope that there's an episode's worth of information about oh, this. Oh, there totally is. Awesome. So let's start. Swords started in the year negative 10,012. Um, no. Okay. When did swords start? Well, okay. Let's first talk about swords as ceremonial weapons. Okay. okay. Before collecting for collecting's sake. Sure. You had a reason to have all these things, even if you weren't using them, right? Um, for example, there are people in the U.S. Armed Forces who have a special sword as part of their uniform, even though they don't use it in combat. Right. Right? Because the thing about a sword... Um, you got to be real close. You you really do. You have yeah. to be close in order to hit someone with a sword. I mean, you could throw it. Not really balanced <laughs> not for really that. Balanced for that. That's kind of a last ditch effort if you're throwing your sword. Right. Um. So swords are kind of like one of those last resorts, right? Yeah. Hopefully, you've shot enough arrows. You've used your trebuchets or whatever to. Throw your cannonballs, shot can- cannonballs, whatever it what is. What have you, yes. You've done that first so that you don't have to fight hand to hand in the sword way, right? Yeah. Even a mace is a little bit better, right? Because you could throw a mace. Well, and also this And you is, just kind of have to, it's a smash. heavy blow. It's a you, smash. You Hulk smash. This is also uh, interesting, God. This is not important, but. Whenever I talk to people about like, what do you think is the ideal, uh, the ideal zombie apocalypse, like zombie fighting weapon? 
bladed weapons tend to stick, especially if you're slashing, mm-hmm. right, or even stabbing. But when you do that, uh, the, uh, the the body tends to constrict around it, mm-hmm. right? And then you have to like, it's hard to undo, right? So it's not really a thing you can do and fight like 10 people. So whenever you see in like movies or whatever, somebody doing that, there's a lot of slashes and not like stab or hack, right? Yeah. It's right. like slash, slash, slash. What's the what's the one weapon that is like the stick with the balls on it that like like with the chain and the, the flail? Balls? Maybe that a flail. Yeah, maybe. where's the chain attached to a ball? Yeah, flail. I feel like that would be a good one for zombies. Uh, yeah, because yeah. you can use a kind of like just blunt force, but it's also got spikes on it. I would say well, here's what I would. Oh, use. okay. What is it? I would take a baseball bat, uh-huh. right? But put it on like a table saw or a chop saw and square off the end. Oh. So that way it's balanced for swinging because it's a baseball bat, but it has corners, which makes uh, smashing zombie heads uh, that much easier. Interesting. Okay. So. I mean, besides the crossbow, because you can duh, duh. do it from a long ways away, aim for the brain, and recover your ammunition. Exactly. Yeah. Right. But like, that's another thing that you would want to do first, yes. right? Before you had to resort to these kind of weapons. Yeah. Um, Gun is too loud. It's going to draw the attention of other zombies. And. Uh, you need a constant supply of ammunition. Yeah, also the sword came first, Obs. Sure. I always think of swords as making sense when we were back, 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 when it was like single shot. Like when you think sure. about like pirates, right? Mm-hmm. Where you would either have like 12 guns all down your body and like bandoliers and stuff, or it's like you fire a shot and if you didn't get them, right, by the time you reloaded another one, they would have shot you or attacked you. So your hope being like, okay, they missed. While they're reloading, I'm going to get them with the sword. Sure. Um, so ceremonial weapons can be used for combat, but they're not made with that in mind. So they're not usually balanced in the way of like, think like a fencing sword sure. would be. Right. And they are often, you know, they have more artistic details. Yeah. Filigree. Exactly. And I mean, some some like high end swords made for kings or whatever, even if they were going to use them, they would have like jewels and precious metals and stuff. But most people who were going to use a sword didn't want to use the pretty one. Yeah. Such if there are jewels on the handle, cut your hand all up. Absolutely. Uh, There are even like decorative guns, mid 20th century rifles like the M14 and the Russian SKS are fitted with polished wood and chrome plating and other decorations because they're used for honor units like honor guards and celebratory fire like, you know, the 21 gun salute or whatever. Gotcha. Right. So here are some other examples of ceremonial weapons that you may have seen listeners. Mm -hmm. Uh, halberds and swords carried by the Swiss Guard at the Vatican. Sure. Right? Uh, ceremonial maces carried by the sergeant-at-arms in parliaments across the globe. They use mace? They carry ceremonial maces in parliament? Yeah. I have I a great story about that later. Okay. Uh, and the West Point cadets have swords that are issued to cadet offices for officers, sorry, for formal functions and drills and parades and graduation ceremonies and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So... Ceremonial weapons have probably existed as long as regular weapons, right? Because if you have, if you're good at it, you want to have one that you can show people. Yeah. Be like, yeah, look at me. I'm so good at this. You don't want to use the one that you use in battle. Right. Um, 
because it's got gunk on it. It's got gunk on it. Um, the the sword probably descends from stone daggers, mm-hmm. right? And the first of these have been unearthed uh, and credited to the Neolithic era, which is about 8,000 BCE to yeah. 2,000 BCE. Um, and these were made of sharpened pieces of flint or bone. And, you know, the idea is sharp things, stabby, stabby, right? You know, and they're still like obsidian is like in, holds a like can be really sharp, mm-hmm. right? And I've heard people talk about like obsidian, like scalpels and stuff. Wow. Because it cuts so like cleanly and so sharply. So what we uh, tend to point to is the Bronze Age. That is when we start really like manipulating materials and the designs for these daggers and swords and maces, other combat weapons become more ornate and decorative because, you know, we have bronze and silver and gold and other precious metals that we're manipulating. And we don't really get to swords until the gladiators. Well, and that makes a lot of sense too, because I've done some blacksmithing and the thing is about a sword mm-hmm. well, and most metal, right? Most metal doesn't hold an edge very well, mm-hmm. right? Like you couldn't just like pick up a hunk of aluminum, right? And like make a sword out of it. You couldn't like, it has to be, uh, especially now, right? A certain kind right. of metal to do it. But more than that, right? If you're going to make a weapon for somebody and you're talking about a weapon that uh, is going to be lethal at, let's say, two to three feet, right? Like a sword. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, I can make one of those or I can make like three daggers. Mm-hmm. You're going to make three daggers. Well, I mean, not just for, uh, because swords have been used in combat, especially by the Ro- Roman soldiers for the entire time, right? I'm talking about like ceremonial oh, swords. Yeah. Okay. Um, because... Like we said, if you were a Roman soldier, you would use the sword last because you would be using arrows and spears and slingshots and catapults and, you know, all that kind of stuff first. But they did use the swords. Um, They especially used the swords at the Colosseum. Because they were showier. Actually, you're right. Because it's not interesting. If you were like, here's a battle, they shot each other an arrow. Done. Mm -hmm. What's that? That's nothing. And this is where the idea of sword play really starts to do it, right? Because there's not a lot of artistry to just getting at somebody. But if you want to make a show out of it, like a gladiator would, mm-hmm. this is where you start to develop all of the like the parries and the blocks and the the business like that that you see on in TV and movies. Well, it's also it's a lot easier to hurt someone with a sword when neither of you know what you're doing. <laughs> I guess you know that's what I mean. True. Like it's the difference between like a bar fight and like going to see like a judo tournament or something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where it's just like, yeah, man, in bar fight, everybody kind of drunk, swinging wildly. No one knows what they're doing. It's going to be done pretty fast. Yeah, and mostly just be chaos, and then they're on the ground, kind of punching each other. And it's the same as like, yeah, man, give me a sword, and another dude who doesn't know what they're doing, we run at each other. Something's going to happen pretty quick, right? But as you learn, well, I mean, that's kind of like the lance, right? Like, just a shorter lance. Yeah, but what I want to be careful about is getting into, like, there's not a lot of artistry in specific <laughs> any kind of, like, battle form, because we're going to get, like, Ren Fair people who are like, uh, <laughs> actually, and it's like, yeah, no, I'm just saying, you don't know what you're doing, run at each other with a sword. It's done. 
Um, so the ceremonial part was because these gladiators made such a great show out of the the swordplay. Now, their freedom was often granted with a ceremonial sword, right? Ah. It was kind of like the, hey, you did such a great job. Here's one that's really pretty that you can show everyone and, and let them know that this is your kind of like claim to fame, right? Yes. Um, it was a it was a wooden sword uh, known as a rudis. Having a rudis bestowed upon you was a symbol that you could end your life as a gladiator and start life as a free man. Though some would refuse the rudis, deciding to stay on and continue fighting for glory. Isn't that that's uh, that sounds? I was about to say in like gladiator movies and stuff. There's always like that. Oh, that guy. He could have been freed a while ago, but he loves killing. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh, okay, cool. They're usually portrayed as the bad guy. They're usually the one to beat. Very rarely is like, this is our hero. He just loves killing dudes. Mm-hmm. And this kind of ceremonial, like bestowing for rank, right? Or to show some sort of like triumph over something is Employee not. Employee of the month. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Is not just for European uh, like antiquities. This also um, was in Japan, right? Mm. Uh, high-ranking nobles used to wear ceremonial swords as their formal court dress. Mm. And it was a sign to the everyone in the room that you had great status, yeah. right? Um, because these things were only permitted to be worn by these type of people, right? Right. Wait, wait. if you think about it, right, if you're allowed into the court of like a royal or a noble or whatever, and you're allowed to wear a weapon in there, it implies a great degree of trust, mm-hmm. right? Especially when we're talking about places where there were like, um, when you were still like battling for who got to be the leader of the country and like you had dynasties taking over and you had, you know, uh, people being overthrown all around the world at this point where, you know, might made right. And that was kind of the political system. Mm -hmm. And you said, I trust this guy enough to stand next to me, the king, and he's allowed to have a sword. Right. Like that's a huge, huge like uh, badge of honor. Pretty cool. Uh, Another example is the Luba people of the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Um, They used weapons to symbolize someone's rank in society and ceremonial axes were very in vogue. Um, They were allowed to be carried among people, but only allowed to be owned by kings and titled members of court and things like that. And so these incredibly like beautiful ornate sculptures of iron and wood, um, it looks really cool. Sometimes the the blade kind of like emerges from the mouth of a woman, right? Or is on... You mean, sorry, hmm, you mean in the style of the axe? Yeah. Not like a lady in the lake kind of thing. No, which is like, no, where no, did no. you get this axe? No, the well, carving. The carving. Oh, okay. That like makes that. a lot more sense than what I pictured. <laughs> if you were important enough in Luba culture, you were expected to wear these axes to signify your rank at public events. And listen, once again, this might go without saying, but from doing blacksmithing and stuff and just, I like watching people make stuff like this. It's art, man. Like, and I'm not just talking about like, oh, the way they hammered it into the shape. I mean, like understanding the way that metal moves when you hit it and the way that it cools and the way all of that, there is science to it for sure. But man, it's art. The same as like wood carvings or sculpting or anything like that. 
and the fact that people use metal, you know, it's like, okay, well, I did that kind of sculpting and stuff and made a sword with it or made an axe with it or made a hammer with it or whatever. I don't think changes the fact that being able to shape metal in that way is art. Mm-hmm. Agreed. You know what? Speaking of art, how about a word from some other Max Fun shows? All right. Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalin. And together we are The Flophouse, a long-running podcast on the Maximum Fun Network, where we watch a bad movie and then talk about it. And because we're so long-running, maybe you haven't given us a chance. I get it. But you don't actually have to know anything about previous episodes to enjoy us. And I promise you that if you find our voices irritating, we grow endearing over time. Perhaps you listened to one of our old episodes and decided that we were dumb and immature. Well, we've been doing this a while now. We have become smarter and more mature and generally nicer to Dan. But we are only human, so no promises. Find the Flophouse on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. Back in Huntington, I'm going to interrupt you one more time, oh, okay. and then never again. Ne- nope. But back in Huntington, <laughs> at the Huntington Museum of Art, they have a, or they did, I don't know if they still do, but like a uh, arms and armory room. And it was always my favorite place to go because one, it was like, here's a room full of like uh, the, you know, swords through the ages, but it went or guns through the ages, but like the swords and stuff was always to me the coolest. Um, do they have that here in Cincinnati too? Uh, they had one in Louisville. Do you remember that? Yeah, they had the Arms and Armory Museum for yeah. sure. But I always love watching and seeing like, this isn't just like the everyday sword. This was the sword where it was like somebody poured way too much time and money into this. It's impractical, but look how cool it is. You know, maybe they have something like that at the Taft Museum of Art or at a different place other than the Children's Museum at Museum Center. Yeah, they definitely don't have it there. I think they have it at the Museum of Art. I haven't gone to anything other than Children's Museums for several years now, so I don't remember. I'll tell you what. Uh, if they don't have a look at these sorts but don't touch them in children's museums, they're missing out because that would be <laughs> BB and Tot's favorite. BB one day, I'll never forget, we were watching something and they like it was like a real life thing and they had a sword. And she was like, Wait, are swords real? And I was like, Wait, what do you mean? She was like, Well, they're not just like in stories and stuff. And I was like, Yeah, bud, swords are a real thing. She was like, So I could actually be a warrior princess? Now, at that point, things started to get a little murkier, <laughs> but I was like, Yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, you got it, bud. Okay, so uh, dress swords, as they came to be called, were often awarded 
by monarchies and rulers and popes and even private organizations to be ceremonial and commemorative objects worn for parades and formal events or given to important figures and their achievements of, like, usually war. Yeah. Right? Um, And they started to become an important part of military honors in the 18th and 19th centuries in Europe and America. In fact, there are some very famous uh, presentation swords bestowed to powerful military leaders during the War of 1812 and World War I uh, that are quite prominent in United States history. So. You know what I think of when I think of a ceremonial sword, like the first thing that comes to mind? Can you guess? What? A knighting ceremony. You know, where it's like, here's a sword. Like the Queen Elizabeth never wielded a sword. That wasn't like her (laughs) fighting sword. She wasn't like, get me down my fighting sword. Like that's a ceremonial sword that they use for that, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm now, I don't know, maybe Charles. I don't think Charles was ever following the story. Maybe he has. I don't know. I, I don't know. know his life. I literally know almost nothing about his life. So uh, here's here's an interesting thing that I uh, was very amused to read about. If you were to think about a sword, wait, give me a second. Okay, 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 okay. Obviously, these dress swords, ceremonial swords, or whatever, not used in combat, but. The swords that are like on display for these things are impossible to use in combat because they're not balanced mm. and they are extra heavy from oh. all of the business on it, yeah. right? And I hadn't thought about that. I guess I thought about like, okay, well, this fun sword is like maybe it's like shorter, right? Because you need you need to be able to carry it around but in fact the opposite is true mm-hmm. a lot of the like ceremonial swords are larger and longer and thicker and like just showier, so, showier and super heavy and, and i hadn't and, i hadn't thought about it that way and when uh when you say balanced mm-hmm. what for anyone who doesn't know what that means is you want it to be so that when you swing the sword Right. The uh, what is it? The pivot point like the foot, you know, when it swings, it feels like an even thing. Just like if you swing your arm right up and down, it's very well balanced. It feels right. So you want it to be that when you swing a sword, it's not like top heavy that pulls down. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. you don't want it to be so bottom heavy that it feels like nothing when you're slicing your arm. You want it to feel just like waving your arm up and down and then, you know, it's well balanced. Right. And if it's too heavy. Right. You get like one swing in. And you're like, I'm not doing that anymore. That's why there's um, when sometimes you'll hear swords described as like hand, hand and a half, two handers. I've even seen three handed broadswords where basically the hilt is long enough that you could hold it with three hands. And at that point. But who's got three hands? Right. So at that <laughs> point, most of the time you would see they would have a very thick glove. And a lot of the times the blades weren't even sharp. They would hold the hilt in one hand mm-hmm. and the blade in the other and use it more like a bow staff almost. And if they were going to swing it, this was like a big overhand. I get one chop and then it, if I miss, it's stuck in the ground, mm-hmm. right? And it was as as much for blocking as it was for swinging and everything like that. Let's do some etiquette tips to keep in mind. Don't if, poke people. If you come across ceremonial weapons. Don't poke people. No touchy touchy. Yeah. That's right. It's, yeah. Okay. Um, so the whole point of ceremonial weapons is that they can only be carried by the people who were designated to carry them. That's kind of like the whole like 
proper etiquette of yeah. it. Um, you know, unless the person who owns it has given you explicit permission to touch it or take it down from its place or whatever it is, right? You you really shouldn't. Um, you know, Dad just a, inherited. So Paul. Dad just inherited a ceremonial sword. Oh, cool. Yeah, Carol's aunt passed. And her husband, who I don't know if it was Carol's uncle or like step uncle or something, but he had been in the Masons. And so he had like a oh. uh, very fancy sword that now dad has, which apparently dad describes as sharp as heck. He oh, yeah. Heck, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that is the next rule, right? All standard weapon safety rules apply. So those rules are every gun is always loaded. Yep. Every knife is always sharpened. Everything, every staff or mace or scepter is capable of intense damage. Just yeah. because it's pretty doesn't mean it can't seriously hurt you. Hey, uh, same rule. Even if you have a sword and you're like, this sword is dull as heck. One of the things about swords, back in the day especially, um, they didn't always so much worry about uh, like if they were sharp enough, right? Because you're swinging a big hunk of metal that is... Uh, all of that weight focused at a very small point with the blade, mm -hmm. super easy to break bone. And even a dull blade swung hard enough will split skin, will break bone, uh, is bad, right? Think about it like if you swung a lead pipe at someone, lead pipe ain't sharp and you'll do serious damage to mm -hmm. them. So even if you're like, ah, oh, this sword isn't sharp, I can play fight with somebody with it. Do not do that. Do not do that. Don't do that. Don't do it. Um, similarly, to the idea of touching someone else's sword, you don't want to unsheath it for them. It is proper etiquette to allow the person who owns the sword to unsheath it and then allow you to examine it, right? They, you don't do that yourself. Mm -hmm. That's just kind of like, like the order of things. And, of course, never hand someone a sword with a tip or blade pointed at them, just no. like scissors. Yeah. Yeah. And, and never unsheath someone's scissors for them. Ne never, never. Yeah, have you ever seen in uh, when people have katanas and they do that move where like they're done and they're going to put it back in the thing and they kind of like draw it across their arm and then put it in? Do you think that's just to like clean gunk off of it before you put it away? Maybe. Or is that like a say you aim better? I don't <laughs> for the hole in the thing because it's not a cool look if you're a warrior and you like go to sheath your sword and you miss. And you have to, and you have to like look down at the scabbard and be like, "Give, give me a second. I don't know if I've ever seen that move in real life. Uh, well, how often? I've only do you ever see seen it. People sheathing a sword in real life, babe. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I only I rely on TV and movies, which means that uh, they lie a lot. So I don't know what's real and what's real. There's also always fake. a move. I need to look at the way katana scabbards and stuff. They're probably not called scabbards. But anyways, how they work, because you always see that thing where they like flick it with their thumb like they're unlocking it or something where it's like, and it's like uh, up like an inch and hmm. they're ready to drop. I don't know if that's... I don't know. I always see it in like anime. I don't know if it's a thing in real life. Okay, anyways. Enough. Sounds like you should do some research. Eh. I'll, <laughs> I'll stop thinking about it five seconds once we're done, after we're recording. If you have a military saber... It's inappropriate to bear it unless you are dressed in full uniform, and it is referred to as a saber, not a sword or a blade or whatever. It's a saber. Um, that, that's a great note, by the way. If you're ever bored or interested or whatever, man, look at different styles of swords from across the world, because there are some wicked cool ones. There are some very interesting ones. And I always love, 
I love learning about how the different shapes of the swords and styles of swords evolved from usually like farming tools or like implements they were using in the area where it's like, oh, well, we're using a scythe, right? And so then that evolved into kind of a curved sword, right? And like these kinds of things where you see like the evolution of it and very rarely was it like somebody going out of nowhere like, I'm gonna design a weird sword. It's usually like, is this shorter? Is it wider? Is it curved? Is it? I always loved that. Um, Speaking of West Point sabers, it's worn on the left side and the blade must be pointed straight down unless drawn. Uh, I guess that's true whether you're left-handed or Mm right-handed, right? Yeah. That must be weird though. If you... I don't know. I guess they're not drawing them for shit. You just got practice with your right hand for it, I guess. Yeah. Um, And you should also not try to buy a West Point Saber if you aren't in the military because it's inappropriate unless you're a current cadet or an alumnus. Okay. Okay. So here is a very interesting story about the House of Commons mace. Okay, please. It is a silver gilt ornamental club. That is about five feet tall, and it's used to symbolize a meeting of the British Parliament. Without it presiding over the House of Commons, the British government is not able to meet or pass laws. And the only time that is allowed to be absent is if the monarch is present. Okay, And it should only be carried to the chamber by the sergeant at arms. And the only time a person who should be touching it isn't the sergeant at arms is when you're saving it. Right. If it needs to be. Like if it's falling over? I no, if it if it needs to be rushed out of the building oh. for some, you know, if Guy Fox tries to blow it up. Okay. Cause I was about to say, if somebody stole it, they can't pass laws in Britain. Is that what I'm to understand? Yeah. Or would they just make a new one? No. Oh. They wouldn't. So So if somebody stole it, hold on. Mm-hmm. You're telling me that if somebody stole it and destroyed it, they could never pass another law in England? I I mean, I guess not. Okay. Until it was recovered? But I'm saying I steal it. I hurl it into the sun. I'm Superman. I don't know why I'm doing that. (laughs) Superman is a known keeper of justice. But I hurl it into the sun. It's gone. Never to be recovered. Then they'd probably make a new one, right? I guess so. But here's, here's the story, right? Okay. Lloyd Russell Moyle stormed onto the House of Commons floor in 2018. He picked it up. He is not the sergeant at arms, okay? He picked it up and went to walk out of parliament to protest Brexit. So this is like he made this into a show. Yeah. Said, I'm doing this terrible thing as a protest, and this that's what I'm going to do. I don't know about that. I don't want to assign judgment to I mean, it. No, I'm doing this thing which is against the rule. because it's so gauche, yeah, right? Okay. That's the idea. That's what I mean. Okay. Uh, It was considered to be a horribly offensive thing to do in Britain, akin to someone like stepping on the Constitution, Uh, right? And because of this, it made a very effective protest tool. Um, And he wasn't the first person to ever do this. Over the 20th century, three other MPs have grabbed the mace in order to showcase their disagreement with the British government. Yeah. Uh, one of these men was a Scottish member of the Labor Party in 1988 who was so enraged over a debate on poll taxes that he picked up the mace uh, only to unintentionally drop it, mm. uh, doing 1,500 pounds of damage. To the mace or to the floor? I'm not probably sure. Both. Probably a little bit of both. You know, I might argue. He did have to pay for that. 
Sure. I might argue that there are things that governments could do that are more terrible and upsetting than a ceremonial mace or piece of paper. Like, there, there are some things that people have done that I'd rather they would have just stepped on the Constitution. You know what I mean? Or stolen a mace. You know what I mean? All right. Yeah. Um, he wrote an article for The Guardian afterwards. Uh, Russ, Lloyd Russell Moyle. Titled, sorry, it was heavy. <laughs> no, uh, that not that's not the guy that dropped it. Oh, okay. This is, this is the, the guy in 2018. Uh, entitled, I'm glad I grabbed the parliamentary mace. Here's why. So if you would like to read about that protest, you can. There you go. Hey, thank you for listening to us and not protesting this show mm. anyways <laughs> we'd like to say a thank you we'll to, keep workshopping mm-hmm. that. we'd like to say a thank you to our editor rachel without whom we could not make the show want to say thank you to our researcher alex without whom we could not make the show want to say thank you to you for listening thank you thanks everybody yeah um make sure to go check out macroymerch.com for all your macroy merch needs uh you can follow me on twitch twitch.tv slash the travis macroy i'm going to be performing at san francisco Sketchfest on february 4th at 7 p.m uh doing the traventure zone where me and some comedians and rpg players are going to be playing some dungeons and or dragons you can get tickets for that at on the Sketchfest website. And what else, Teresa? We always thank Brent Brentofloss Black for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Also, thank you to Bruja Betty Pinup Photography for the cover picture of our fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. If you love to give and get excellent advice from other fans, go ahead and join that group today. Also, we are always taking topic submissions, not just Travis's topics everyone's topics please send those in uh send in idioms um send in questions uh make sure to send those to schmannerscast at gmail.com and say hi to alex a-l-e-x-x because she reads everyone and that's going to do it for us so join us again next week no rsvp required you've been listening to schmanners manners schmanners get it Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows, supported directly by you.